1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says this, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This passage gives us a framework for our life. It gives us something to aspire to, something to work towards. I don't know about you, but I read this passage and it's challenging. It's personally challenging. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much most of those things, but I mean, there's one of those things that I could get better at. Um, it's something to ask the Holy Spirit to help us with, to frame our life in the way that God intends it to be. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, it says this, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now you can't help but read that and say it like an old preacher. So can you say it like this? There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. How encouraging is this? Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then it says, have nothing to do with such people. It's quite a contrast between the life of love and how the last days are explained. I want to speak to you this morning on the title of the subject, Meek Moments and Fearless Horses. Meek Moments and Fearless Horses. I want to speak to you about meekness this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the Word this morning. I pray that You would make it real to each and every one of us. May, may it come to life. Lord, may it come to life like it's never come to life before. Lord, help us to be the people and be who You've called us to be. Lord, in every aspect of our life, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Ephesians 4 verse 20 in the Message Translation says this, But that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is, that you've paid careful attention to Him, being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A god fashioned life. I love that. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into the conduct as God accurately reproduces His character, not on you, but in you. Not on you, but in you. He reproduces His character in you. A little while ago, I won't tell you how long ago, 
I was driving across Sydney and I was a little distracted as I was driving and, and didn't realise that my lane was coming to an end and I needed to merge. So in the last moments, I merged lanes but didn't realise that in my blind spot was another car, it was a van. So I pretty much swerved into him and then he had to swerve away from me so that we didn't collide. And thankfully, we didn't collide. Well, straight away, straight away, I put my hand up to ask for forgiveness, to cleanse me of all traffic unrighteousness. And, well, I, I thought, well, you know, as, as, as long as you put your hand up, I mean, it covers a multitude of sin. But this guy, this guy looks at me and, and he's just shaking his head. Now I can understand it probably rattled him and shake. And he's, he's like, just like he's just shaking his head like this sort of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, but I apologised. But he's still shaking his head and then he speeds off. Well, I thought to myself, I did the right thing. He's still angry at me. So I sped off within the speed limit, within the speed limit, I sped off and I caught up with him. I caught up with him in the traffic and don't look at me like that. Caught up, I'm not telling you how, this could have been many, many, many years ago. It could have been a few weeks ago. I'm not, just not going to tell you. So I, I, I catch up with him and all of a sudden he's on my left, I'm on his right and I'm looking over trying to get his attention. Now, I'm not, I'm not um, endorsing this behaviour at all. Remember, remember the old rotten life through and through, get rid of it. But so then I wound down the window, the window. And I'm asking him the question in the traffic. I'm saying, have you never made a mistake before? And, he, and he's, he's driving and he, he's realising that I'm talking to him. So I said it again because we're in the traffic. Have you never made a mistake before? And he's trying to ignore me now. He's just looking straight ahead. Now, again, I'm not endorsing what I've done. It's not, I'm not proud of what I've done. It's just like all of us at weak moments, we can, well, the traffic just seems to bring out demons in us. So I said it one more time, have you never made a mistake before? And he consistently tries to ignore me and then he takes off and I take off and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I didn't really learn that from Christ. <laughs> it's probably not the best example of a God-fashioned life. Paul says, you learned Christ and my assumption is that you paid careful attention to Him. So what do we learn from Christ? What do we observe as we pay careful attention to Jesus in Scripture? What are the hallmarks of Jesus' character? What are the hallmarks of this God-fashioned life? In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it says, let me give you a new command. Jesus says, love one another in the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognise 
that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. In other words, love is our distinctive. Jesus himself loved in the face of opposition. He loved in the face of scrutiny and betrayal and insult. He loved in the face of confrontation and he loved profoundly in the face of sin. He commands us to love one another. He also challenges us to love our enemies. What? I mean, it's hard enough to love your neighbour, let alone loving your enemies. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 45, He says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I love this about Jesus. He's countercultural. He's unorthodox. He's unconventional. He says, you may have heard that, but this is the way I encourage you to live your life. He inspires us to a greater standard. He lifts our lives to the life that He intends us to live, the God-fashioned life. So is it natural to love your enemy? Well, the world can be rough and rude, let alone Christians, to their enemies. Napoleon Bonaparte said this about Jesus. He said, Alexander, Caesar and Charlemagne and I founded empires. But what, and what do we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded His empire upon love. And at this hour, Napoleon Bonaparte said, millions of men, and I include women, would die for Him. This is the type of life that Jesus is encouraging us to live. He invites us to learn from Him, but then He describes Himself as meek and humble. Meek and humble. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. I love that, ye, ye, and ye, and ye, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus says, for I am meek, for I am meek, for I am meek, for I am meek. He is saying meek, but many people, Christians included, have mistaken meekness for weakness. He says, I am meek, but we hear, I am weak. As a child, I grew up praying a prayer. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. G gentle, you know, a little, little child, G gentle Jesus. You know, like kneeling beside the bed with the little hands together, with a little kid voice. Although I never had a little kid voice. My, I think my voice broke when I was like two or three. Gentle Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And I wonder how many people's thinking and perceptions of Jesus was framed by this little prayer, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Gentle, meek, mild, probably not in the top three of your most admired qualities. 
I can't wait to be meek. I can't wait to be mild. Oh, one day. I can't wait. If I could only be gentle. However, Jesus was meek, but still showed great emotion and anger even. He stood up to the religious leaders constantly. He went, I love the, the story where he goes into the temple before going into the temple and driving out all those who are turning the house of prayer into anything but a house of prayer. The, one, of the, one of the versions of this story is that Jesus went around the corner and braided his own whip. Now, if you were there, can you just like come around the corner to see Jesus? Just everyone, all the way to the back, just come with me and let's just walk around the corner and find Jesus braiding a whip. And then cross back to my little prayer. Gentle Jesus. And then he goes in and he drives out, turns over the tables. Gentle Jesus, meek anything but mild, anything but mild. Concerning healing on the Sabbath, Jesus looked around and he, he said to the religious leaders in anger, what? Anger, Gent, gentle Jesus, meek and angry. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. But he understood that Ephesians 4.26 said, Be angry and do not sin. He took quick and decisive action as he threw out those in the temple. See, meekness can be misunderstood and undervalued. The word meek in more recent translations of the Bible has been changed to gentle. Now, come with, just come with me for a moment. Just, just, let's, let's just go somewhere together. In more recent translations of the Bible, for example, that, the passage that I read out in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, in the King James Version, talks about meek. But in the New, New International Version, it replaces meek for gentle. So just come with me for a moment. The reason why they exchanged meek for gentle is that meek became an almost, a, a word no longer in vogue no longer used in society. So they chose, they changed meek to gentle. But the thing is about meekness and gentleness is there are two distinct words with two distinct meanings, two totally distinct meanings. Number, the first one is gentle, which is an outward action. In 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, the original word, it says, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So gentleness is a word in the Bible and it's the outward action of being gentle as a mother with a young child. In 2 Timothy 2.24, it says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle, the outward action, to all able to teach and to be patient. Now remember, I'm talking about Ephesians chapter 4, this God-fashioned life. Now this message might surprise you. Don't you love a movie that has a twist and a turn? Just come with me, there's a twist and a turn. God accurately re reproduces this character quality of meekness 
in our life. Now, it's so much better and more preferable than hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions and dissensions. See, Paul himself even refers to Jesus in both those ways. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, if they were interchangeable, you wouldn't need to say it twice in the Scripture. You're not going to say, I am pleading you with by the meekness and the meekness. No, he says the meekness and the gentleness. Gentleness being the outward action. The meek, come with me. Just come, come with me. Moses in the Old Testament was referred to as very meek above all men. Now in Jewish history, this is not just meek in regards to being gentle, meek and mild. The Jewish historical word is perfect obedience. So when Moses is referred to as being meek, it's not an outward, I mean, the guy killed somebody. Like Moses, he killed somebody. That's not a gentle person. When it says that he's meek above all men, it's referring to perfect obedience. Moses was perfectly obedient. But in the Greek sense, in the New Testament, it talks about perfect control. So perfect obedience in the Old Testament and perfect control in the New. But get this. I know there, there are German-speaking people here and there's the German language, but can you just like come with, I, I know many of you obviously speak English as well, but can I just read some of the English just to give you an understanding of maybe why people think certain things about Jesus or Christianity or the church and they're, they're thinking about that is framed by sadly a perception that's totally not scriptural nor biblical. The Merriam-Webster defines meekness as this, deficient in spirit, Deficient in courage, submissive, not strong, moderate. Other dictionaries say spineless, spiritless, compliant. Now Jesus called himself meek. Can I, can I, let's just like substitute Jesus in there because he says he's meek. All right, Jesus is deficient in spirit. Jesus is deficient in courage. Jesus is not strong. Jesus is moderate. Is that, is that really what Jesus was talking about when he called himself meek? Some of the, I love synonyms. Anyone else likes, I love words. Synonyms. Tame, timid, mild, bland, unambitious, retiring, weak, docile. Oh, hang on, what? Jesus is tame, timid, mild, bland, unambitious, retiring. Jesus is weak. Jesus is docile. Jesus is broken. These words don't describe Jesus. They don't describe Moses. They don't describe the Apostle Paul. They don't describe King David. These words do not describe the meekness that Jesus referred to himself as. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For the Spirit of God, sorry, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline or self-control. Now, a number of years ago on my Mac computer, the little tiny 
rainbow disc came up. I don't know if you've got a Mac or, but this little rainbow disc and it just spins. And every time it spins, I mean, your heart starts to, because you know something bad's either going to happen or, and you just hope that it stops spinning and goes back to, well, this day it did not stop spinning. It just kept on spinning. So I took it to the Mac place near our house. And, um, and the thing is, my daughter, my fourth uh, child, um, we got three boys and a girl and she'd just been born and all her photos were on that computer and the computer wasn't backed up. The computer wasn't backed up. So I take it to the shop and let's just say, cut a long story short, that I'm trying to get help from the guy behind the counter and you know when you're desperate, no one can help you enough. Nobody can help you enough. I mean, they can be like employee of the month, but they're not helping you at all. And he's just looking at me. I don't know if I can do anything. I might need to take the computer. We might need to send it away. Well, I can feel myself just getting... It's my daughter's photos. Don't tell me you... Tell me you're going to fix it now so I can take it home. So I can feel myself sort of boiling as a kettle. You know, the kettle starts to boil. Come on, marrieds. You know, when the kettle starts to boil. And I'm, I'm trying to... It's, it's just not helping me. So I feel myself like I feel myself like ready to to launch. <laughs> but I make a decision. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna launch. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep a little bit of self control and and I'll keep composed and collected. And but then I felt myself ready to launch again. I just come, come, come back, come back. So he ends up saying, look, I just can't do anything for you. We're going to have to take your computer from you with my daughter's photos and send it away. Okay, sure. I'm going to need to get your details. So I start to give him my details. I started with my name. And he says to me, he looks at me, he goes, I know who you are. I've been to your church and I've heard you preach. How good is it? <laughs> How good is it when you actually see in the traffic? Some of you are going, who is this guy? Like the traffic is yelling across the lanes. But just forget that story and just think about the computer story. Just think about the computer story. Um, If you think meek is weak, try being meek for a week. If you think meek is weak, try being meek for a week. And Proverbs... You know what I mean. It was probably my bad typing, to be honest. In Proverbs 22, verse 4, in the Message Translation, it says this, The payoff for meekness and fear of God is plenty and honour and a satisfying life. It talks about a payoff. Who knows that in that computer shop that day, making the choice not to launch, making a choice to have the God-fashioned life, who knows that there was a payoff to that encounter or that 
circumstance or situation. See, the payoff of meekness, which is what I'm talking about, which Jesus referred to Himself as, the payoff of meekness is it's the guardian of greatness. It's the protector of prosperity. It's the trustee of influence. It's the curator of communication. It's the facilitator of harmony. We are attracted to those who are meek in spirit. They reflect the best of our humanity. They are meek and humble. They have no need to prove their strength to others. They simply exhibit a quiet strength through character in their lives. So we're talking about the gentle side of the outward action, like a mother with a child. Yeah, the meek side of it is an inward attitude. So gentleness is the outward action, where meekness is now the inward attitude, the inward attitude. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Some claim a more appropriate interpretation is he who has a sword and knows how to not sorry and knows how to use it, but keeps it sheathed, shall inherit the earth. In Matthew eleven, the word meek is that inward attitude. In Matthew twenty one verse five, it says, "See, your king comes to you, not gentle, as some versions say. It's meek, the original word, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." In Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Just come with me. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. In many of your translations, it's going to read gentle. But it's not gentle. Gentle is the outward action. The fruit of the Spirit, the exact original word is not gentle. It's meek. It's meek. Now, what is this word? Meek. Now, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. This is where the twist comes. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, borrows a military term. The meek shall inherit the earth. That word meek, Jesus borrows a military term. In the Gresham army and in that time and in that era, what they would do is that they would go into the mountains and they would gather all the brumbies all the wild, rebellious, independent horses doing what they want, how they want, when they want. And they would go and round them up and they'd bring them back and start to train them. They would start to develop them. They would start to work with them. Now, some of them became utility horses, like dragging wagons and all those sort of things. But then there were some that became war horses. So one moment they are roaming around as independent rebellious spirits, doing what they want, how they want, when they want. All of a sudden they're brought into a training regime and being taught, being developed and being trained. Now when this horse, not the utility horses, but when the war horses got to the point where they became the, where it literally talks about the horse would become one with the rider. Literally, the rider could literally just almost whisper a tiny instruction and the horse would do it immediately. He would do it immediately, straight away. This horse became, they would say, the horse became the extension 
of the rider. It wasn't the horse and the rider. No, the horse and the rider became one. Now, once this horse was developed to the point where it can run into a dangerous future in war, it would run forwards. It had to be at the point where it could not shy away from danger or it couldn't shy away from crisis or whatever was going on because if that horse was to do that, it wouldn't fulfil the purpose of what it was needing to do. Can you imagine getting the point and everyone's riding into battle and then all of a sudden the horse separated itself from the will of the rider and started to just go backwards? No, no, no. The horse, when it got to the point where it was one with the rider, prepared to go into battle, prepared to go into the future, prepared to, despite the dangers, despite all that was going to be confronted. Do you know what they call that horse? They would call that horse praus. That's the, that's, the Greek, that's the Greek word for a trained horse of that calibre. That word praus is meek. It was meek. Now, for a lot of people, they think meekness is to lose their personality, is to lose their strength, is to lose all these things that we have going on on the inside. But it wasn't that. It was a horse being trained and developed to fulfil a purpose much higher than itself. And meekness was simply strength under control, power under authority. Power under authority, strength under control. Let me use a circus analogy just to help with, can you imagine a big elephant? And the, and the I don't know, what, what do you call the, the, the skit or the thing? The whatever, whatever. The trainer would get a watermelon and put it down on the ground and the elephant would lift its leg, rest it on the watermelon and then, and watermelon would just shoot out into the crowd, just go everywhere. And then, the trainer replaced his head with the watermelon. So move the watermelon, get it out of the way. The, the, the trainer would put his head on the ground and the elephant would walk up. Now we all know what just happened to the, with the watermelon. Like in the third and fourth row, there's this watermelon all over their face. And the elephant walks up and you can hear the crowd, come, come, just, 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 just come with me if you would. Just, just, just like a, oh. okay, come on, hang on, one, two, three. One, two, three. So the elephant walks up, lifts its leg, lowers its leg, and then just rests it. That's the same, exactly the same. Strength under control. Power under authority. Gentle Jesus. Yeah, he was. He was gentle outwardly. Bring the kids. Bring, bring, the, bring the kids the Bible says that the kids came to him. 
He was, he was outwardly in action gentle. But his meekness was a totally different thing. It was a totally different thing. And in the time that I have, hopefully I can help you understand by using Jesus at, I think, one of his most challenging moments. See, great strength is on display in moments of meekness. And Jesus' meek moments were on display for all to see from the Garden of Gethsemane all the way through to the cross. See, Paul talks about learning from Christ. So can we just for a moment learn from Christ? Can we just for a moment learn from Christ? Because I believe it's God's will for your life. I believe it's God's will for my life and our life together. That with what God's got for us in our future, that we need to be unflinching, that we need to be courageous, that our strength needs to be under control. Our power needs to be under authority. And this is a beautiful example of Jesus exactly like that. The first one is this, is Jesus in the most trying of times was in the, number one, in the garden of Gethsemane as he wrestled with the will of God in prayer. What do you say? Not my will be done, but your will. What, what does the horse do? The horse is not my will no longer. My will is now the will of the rider. So when Jesus wrestled with, oh Lord, if you could take this away, if you could take this cup away, no, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's meekness. The second one is this. The second time it's on dis display is as he was being seized upon and arrested. In Matthew 26, verse 53, Jesus says, Do you think I could not call on my Father? And He will at once put at disposal more than 12 legions of angels. If I was Jesus, oh, in that moment, I would have loved to see 12 legions of angels literally wipe the floor with all these. No, 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 Jesus, He was meek. With all the strength, with all the power, mere humans seizing and arresting Him and He lets it happen. The third time it's on display is in Jesus' silence under false accusation. Matthew 26, verse 60, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Oh, I can't remain silent. I want to have the last say. I want to have the first say. I want to have the say in the middle. And I want to have the last say. No, 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 Jesus. How, how hard is it when someone falsely accuses you of something to remain silent? With all the wisdom all the knowledge of <laughs> what all those people had done. They could have spoken about, Jesus said, you know what? I know what you did on the 4th of July at 9.22 in your bedroom. But he remained silent. It's meekness. The fourth display is in the face of serious provocation. 
both on the way to the cross and on the cross. Matthew 26, 67 said, they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? If I was Jesus, I would have winked and caused a bolt of lightning to come out of his eye and shoot it straight through his forehead. Now, I know you might not. You're a whole lot more Christian than I am, but it's amazing when you're provoked and you know that you're doing the right thing. When Jesus was laying down His life for a sinful people and they were provoking Him, ridiculing Him, belittling Him. That's meekness. Number five, and finally, when He's hanging on the cross, Jesus prays a heartfelt prayer for all His slanderers and murderers. Luke twenty-two thirty-four 34 says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they, are divide, and they divided up His clothes, but casting lots. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. When Jesus says that He's meek, Don't think about it as him being a pushover. And don't replicate your character in the same way. Yeah, there's going to be a time in your office or maybe in your home where you remain silent. That's meekness. And Jesus has a promise for those who are meek, you shall inherit the earth. If, if Jesus was going to give you anything, if I was going to give anything, I would want to give it to someone who I could trust, who is at one with me as Jesus was with His Father. Jesus said, I don't say anything, I don't do anything unless I see the Father who says it and does it. Jesus was meek with the call of God, with the purposes of God, with what God had for Him. And He went just like that horse riding into Jesus, walked straight to that cross. Totally meek. Why do I bring that message this morning? Because can you imagine a, a company of people that all are at one with the rider? With the rider being the Holy Spirit who instructs us, who guides us, who challenges us, who points us forward. And without flinching, we step up, we step out. Without flinching, we run towards the call of God for our life, the purposes of God for our church here in Berlin. It's, it all comes down to strength under control, power under authority. And it's a decision. And I pray that all of us would be courageous enough to make that decision and allow His character to reproduce in us so that we can live out the God-fashioned life in the most significant, the most powerful, the most influential, the most impacting way that we know how to do it with God's help in Jesus' name.